good day. Hello, Ollie. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm all right. Um, this is the second time we've tried to record this introduction because you messed it up the first time. What episode of Sustainable is it, all? It is episode 56. Right. Apparently. What did you say first time? <laughs> I said 55. Yes, well, that's wrong, isn't And it? when we were preparing for it, I called it 57. So, uh, all in all, I am as on top of things as I always am. Uh, this is exciting. We haven't been around for a while. Uh, holidays and, you know, just being stuff away. But we're back now uh, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about, um, well, you know, there's lots to discuss. Discuss. Di- discuss. 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 Oh, hang on. Okay. I've got a feeling I know what this is. Carry on. All right, yeah, there's lots of discuss uh, in UK (laughs) politics because lots has happened. There's a new prime minister. Oh, it's all gone crazy. And, um, well, you know, that new prime minister relayed relayed some news um, to the Chinese people and the French people about that their Hinkley Point and maybe it not getting built. So um, that hasn't overcome all its hurdles. But it is a marathon, not a sprint, building a nuclear power station, isn't it? Uh, So... (laughs) We're also going to be talking um, about uh, the, the Labour people, and um, you know, there's been there's been a lot of kind of meddling in, in Labour Party politics recently. Shall I go on? Is no, there I think I've got going it, on. but I'm not even going to explain. It's okay, fine. we're going to talk about the Olympics because uh, by the time you're listening to this, they will have started, and presumably it's all very exciting, and, and the country's gone sport mad. The world has gone sport mad. Three billion people are expected to watch it on telly. So we're going to talk about whether or not it's a terrible, awful, messy uppy thing for the planet. Very good. So uh, the usual disclaimers before we bang on any further. We do work for environmental charities, but these are very much our own views. Thus, if you have any issues with anything that we bang in your direction, absorb it like a sponge and bang it back at us. But don't bang it at anyone that we work for. Yes? Yeah, I mean, there's no way we'll be rowing back on, on anything we say. Oh, stop it now. Reasons to be cheerful. You know I need someone. So, reasons to be cheerful. And we are cheerful. The, the main reason we're cheerful is that we're back doing the babble. But there is some more cheer, and that is that George Osborne isn't back. He's, oh, he's very he's much not here. And in gone. a beautiful, beautiful bit of poetic symmetry... Uh, it's Olympic season because the best thing that ever happened to George Osborne in the past is when he got booed at the Paralympics. Play that clip, Dave. (laughs) The medals tonight will be presented by the Right Honourable George Osborne MP, Chancellor of the Exchequer. And now he's not even here to experience this one. Well, he is here, but he's in a, you know, crying in a corner somewhere. Oh, poor old Osborne. He described that as being terrible, you know. He described that as being, he was interviewed about being booed at the Paralympics. It's the Paralympics, for God's sake. How much of an arse do you have it's to be? Very, it's a very definition of kind of... Goodwill, you know, good, it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. But not uh, for you. But he was talking about it and he said, that really upset me, that did. And I'm not surprised, mate. 50,000 people booing your existence i'm not surprised um, but he's gone he got given the sack and who did he get given the sack by all and what's happened he got given the sack by that nice new lady prime minister as alan partridge would call her uh theresa may 
Uh, not the porn star, the politician. Uh, did you know about that? Uh, that she's not a porn star. No, yes, I presume you knew that. Did you know that there was a, there was a porn there was a porn star there is a porn star who goes by I the name oh, Theresa May. I didn't know that, but I did once dance with Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, um, Theresa May. I've danced with her. Did you? I have had a dance with Theresa May, not in a sexy, sexy way. Not was in it, a was of... it a naked lying down dance? <laughs> it was like oh, I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> No, it wasn't a naked lying down dance. It was just a dance. It was one of them things that one of them god awful, you know, uh, political things where there was drink. And I found myself dancing with this lady who, you know, is a bit younger, um, still considerably older than me, who had them funny shoes on. And uh, she she was not without jive. Oh, Dave. Not what? without da- jive. Dave. Dave. Yes, mate. Hello. What, what sort of awful political thing were you at with Theresa May where you ended up dancing? Like that doesn't you said that as if it just happens. Well, it as if this happen. is an everyday occurrence for well, how many loads of you people. must have, you you do loads of awful political things. Don't you usually end up dancing with like Eric Pickles or uh <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn or something? Does that not happen? Don't don't distract the listeners from the question at hand. Tell it me was more. Just the, how just where there was I was I was drunk. I was young. Where I was free? Somewhere Blackpool actually is the honest answer. <laughs> so a Tory party conference was it? Yes, in Blackpool. And why were you dancing? Like what? This is the bit because it's get... Blackpool for God's sake. You, yeah, but you didn't like go to a fringe meeting or like some. I don't want to talk event. about this on the radio. Well, you brought it up. Well, I'm going to bring it down now. Right. Okay. Well, to be continued. Anyway. <laughs> Dave's love interest, Theresa May, is now the most powerful person in the country. Well, well after Rupert Murdoch. After Rupert Murdoch, yeah, exactly. Um, and she has, well, she's got on with what she wants to get on with quite impressively. Lots of things have changed, including who the Chancellor of the Exchequer is. It's no longer George Osborne. Bye. It's now Philip Hammond. It's quite odd. It's one of the things I do quite like about democracy is how quickly seemingly immovable sort of fixtures of the political world can be moved. Um, it's very weird, having spent six years basically saying how awful George Osborne is, uh, to think that he's not really important anymore. Um, you don't is think it? he's that awful, though, do you, Dave? Uh, well, look, I mean, go back and listen to Sustainable episodes one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, etc. Um, and he has been a... It has been my business for a while to scrutinise what George Osborne has done on the environment. That is a thing I have been doing. And it is fairly safe to say he's rubbed me up the wrong way a few times by doing things like massively expanding tax breaks for fossil fuels, by doing things like making renewable energy play a carbon tax, by saying that we're not going to go any faster than the rest of the world in cutting emissions, blah de blah de blah de blah de blah Right? Right. But um, it's really weird things happened, Oh. Weirder than dancing with Theresa May. It's in, yeah, in that ballpark. And and did she rub you up the right way or the wrong way? No rubbing up of any ways happened. Right. Okay. Carry on. I found myself feeling a bit sorry for George Osborne, you know. Really? Yeah. And not just like, not just because of the whole being booed at the Paralympics thing, but... Ah, uh, imagine, let's imagine for a second that you've done a job for about six or seven years that you're not really any good at. <laughs> uh, yep, I'm, I'm imagining that. <laughs> imagine that. It came to me very quickly. I don't know why. <laughs> 
imagine that. And imagine that you had basically been getting on with it and everyone had been saying you were a, a git and all of the people you work with, were, you know, apart from your boss, were basically like that person isn't very good at their job and didn't, couldn't really say anything about it because you had all the power. And then the second, imagine, imagine for a second, Ol, that, that, that one of your colleagues was asked, should uh, Ol continue to have this job that he's not any good at? And that was a colleague who didn't like him very much. What do you think would happen? Well, I don't think they'd say no. What's your point? They'd say no. They'd say go away. And you'd be very upset about it because you'd have worked very hard at something for a very long time and it would be your project and you'd have done all this stuff. And then suddenly, literally overnight, and it's not your fault, it's your boss's fault for calling a blinking referendum, um, which is not something you would do, I grant you. um, Suddenly you get your job taken away and it's all gone. It's like overnight, this thing that you've worked at and you've worked really hard and you've had a philosophy and you've brought all of these economic policies in that didn't exist. And whether or not you're a tink, it doesn't really matter because you've changed stuff. And then it's just like, right, off you go, laters. Not even we're going to give you a job as like, you know, cleaning the toilets or writing policy on what should happen to goldfish or that sort of thing. Go, bugger off. Your sack, mate, on your ear, get out immediately, now. I think it's quite sad. I think that's a bit mean, even though it's George Osborne, who's a git. That's that's one of the more extraordinary monologues I've ever heard you deliver. Uh, (laughs) This is the man who has imposed austerity for no benefit to anyone other than the rich who have got richer. Mm. Uh, this is the man who have taken taken away lots of benefits from the people who need them most. Mm. This is the man who... I mean, I'm not even going to list it. The idea that you're defending this man, I'm saying oh. there's no reason to feel sorry for him. And also, it's politics. If there's one thing you know about politics, it's that all political careers end in failure, unless you're Nigel Farage, in which case it ends in glorious success. But until Nigel Farage, all political careers ended in failure. Uh, and that's the point. And he, be... he, was at the, he was, had his hands on the levers of power for six years, doing exactly what he wanted to do. Now he doesn't. Boo-hoo! But I, are you supposed to be quite nice to work with and everything? Um, and we've got your favourite cereals here. Some Cheerios... Cornflakes, Rice Krispies over there. Do you remember what we did when we came back from our last little break, the sort of autumn in 2015? We reeled off all of the terrible, terrible things the Tories had done on the environment since, you know, in the half an hour since they got elected, which included, if you remember, deleting the solar industry, deleting onshore wind, deleting all of the subsidies for uh, fuel poor. I know that. You, you've just sort of, you've gone all gaga and gooey. Uh, Why? I don't know, mate. I think I'm very anxious to please. <laughs> well, let's get him on. Let's get Gideon on oh, Sustainable. Get him and let's on. see how that goes. If but anyone out there then, has contacts to the disgraced ex-Chancellor, the Exchequer, George Osborne, and, and wonders if he'd like to give up a bit of his presumably infinite spare time now to come on this podcast. Oh, yeah, go on. Amazing. Right, that's it. That is the end of this conversation. No more discussion of George Osborne or his ilk. Um, but who's we... what? His... <laughs> his ilk. I wasn't talking about his ilk, mate. You Shut up. That up. Shut up. <laughs> Stop trolling me. Uh, carry on trolling me. That's fine. That's what this podcast is for. We're not going to talk about George Osborne anymore. Um, but there are some other people who are now important in the world of green stuff and the environment who weren't important before. Um, so we should talk about them. Who have we got? Who are the roll call of Russes? Let's canter through the people in charge of stuff. Yeah? Okay. Let's do that. So Boris Johnson is the Foreign Secretary. Oh, God. 
So he's in charge of foreign stuff. Um, Which is a problem because he thinks that climate change isn't real because there's snow on his flower pot. And if I had to pick a couple of departments that I would like to really understand that climate change is important, the Foreign Office would definitely be one of them on account of how it's an international problem that mostly affects foreigners. Yes, yes. Okay, so that's bad. Bad. Um, Now, another person who uh, we certainly talked about once or twice... um, used to be uh, a minister in the Department for Energy and Climate Change. She was an energy minister, and her name is Andrea Ledsum. Ledsum? Ledsum? Ledsum. And she tried for a bit to become... You better get used to saying that, mate. We've got an in-off corner, I feel like. She tried uh, a bit to become the leader of the Conservative Party and the Prime Minister. That didn't go so well, as I understand. She gave an interview in which she said loads of things and then denied saying them, and then the journalist said, here you go, here's the recording of you saying them. Uh, but she then got rewarded or punished by becoming the person in charge of the Environment Department. What do we think about that, Dave? We don't think very much of it all. So oh, um, she, uh, for two reasons, two reasons why now. Okay, so uh, the Environment Department is not the bit that does climate change. We can talk in a little bit about a problem there. Um, but it is the bit that does things like Farming and fishing and, mm. uh, and flooding air. and air, air and badgers and that sort of stuff, right? And basically she knows there is no evidence at all that she has ever in her entire life given the remotest shit about any of that stuff, <laughs> right? What's the remotest shit you've given? Um... Oh, I tell you the remotest shit that I've given. Um, I was someone was explaining to me the other day about something that someone on Big Brother had done, um, and I I just about gave a shit about it, like just at the tiniest, <laughs> tiniest little shit. As in, I did sort of faint whiff of a shit yeah, in the distance yeah. that you were giving. Yeah, I cared about it an iota. So that's how much she cares about the environment and iota, at least historically. But she has said um, that farm subsidies should all be scrapped, that free trade is a very good thing, that economic growth and exports are a very good thing, um, and that badgers should all be put into a mincer. That's what she said. I'm paraphrasing slightly on that last one. She was, uh, as I said earlier, the Minister in Department of Energy and Climate Change, which no longer exists. <sighs> Let me take you back to the year 2008, Ol. Um, mm. So we never used to have hang on, a... Hang on, let's play some 2008 music. wonder what that'll be. Um, yes, back in 2008, there was a thing created which didn't exist, and that was a department for energy and specifically climate change. It was created because a thing happened called the Climate Change Act, a law. What got passed, what obliged the UK government to do a thing that no one else in the world was doing, which was legally cut emissions by a big wodge, um, and you needed a department to do it. So what they were doing was they made a bit of government. They said, this is important. We will have someone whose job it is, at the very senior level of government, to sit around the table and act on climate climate change and everyone went brilliant well done nice and first one of them first one of them secretaries was mr ed Miliband, who you thought was going to be prime minister and isn't still mine though still, i suppose that's true anything yeah really anything could happen um and so anyway that department has tootled along merrily despite george osborne see he's not all that bad for um eight years and then in the blink of an eye just like george osborne himself it's been switched off
But while this has all been going on, uh, we have the news that for the 14th month in a row, we've had the hottest month ever or the hottest of that mm. month ever. Uh, we're now at 1.3 degrees above pre-industrial temperatures. Remember, we're trying to keep it below 1.5. We're running out of time, can't aren't we? do that. Uh, there's lots of there's lots, so much methane bubbling up in bits of uh, sort of Russia, Siberia places uh, that the grass is you can bounce up and down on the grass because there's bubbles underneath it. Someone's got anthrax. They've got anthrax. Someone He's, got. Don't someone, say it so excitedly. That's someone, not a good thing. Sorry, bad thing. Someone got. Someone in Siberia got anthrax off of all the methane. That's a uh, thing. It wasn't off the methane. It was because um, oh. the, after the last massive outbreak of anthrax in the forties, those yeah. bodies. It's very hard to bury people in permafrost because permafrost is really hard to dig. So uh, these people were buried quite shallowly um, in the permafrost, which has now melted, revealing anthrax anthrax ridden bodies. It's bad news. Put it that way. It's all going quite badly. We know that. But in the meantime, the UK government's response is to go. Oh, I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll do climate change anymore. Schadenfreude of the week. So Schadenfreude time. Um, obviously, it could have been George Osborne, but we decided instead to give it to somebody else. Um, who is suffering the most Schadenfreude this week, though? Uh, it is China! In your face, China! Oh, Jesus. You... <laughs> China, what? if you're listening, he doesn't mean it. <laughs> no, this is it. We, oh, blimey, we've done something a bit rash. Oh, we've we've oh. been and gone and knocked off the Chinese. That's all we've oh, done. Oh, God, why? <laughs> of all the people to knock off. <laughs> it's insane. So what's happened is this. Um, there is, uh, we've talked before back in episode 44, we did a special all about nuclear and we talked about it um, and I got to play a Mike Oldfield song and I was very, very happy about that. Um, but there was a big nuclear power station still scheduled to be built at Hinkley Point in North Somerset, alarmingly close to where I own a house. And um, that had almost, 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 almost got to the point of being formally given the green light, right? So uh, 10 days ago, the EDF, French company that are going to build and operate it, uh, had their board meeting and it all got a bit fractious, but they forced it through and said, yes, we will do it. And they did that because they thought, they expected the next day, the UK government would say, okay, fine, we promise to give it subsidy then. But they didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's gone yeah. badly, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, there's, so, there's so much at play here, isn't there? Because it's, amazing. it's been rumbling on for just years and years and years. And we had people, you know, quite important people in EDF quitting, going, this, this smells oh, bad. This is, this is terrible. You know, I'd come here every day to work. I'd use the thing and then the buff and then the I go home. Buff. So, okay, so you're offending the Chinese and the French. Uh, this episode, well, great. the second just... doesn't count, does it? I'm allowed to... Surely, surely, I'm <laughs> no, allowed to offend the French. That's true. You see, if I'm not allowed to do vegan propaganda anymore, the only thing I've got left is offending the French. If I'm not allowed to do that, I too am going to sling my baguette and, and do one. Oh, when I was on holiday, I thought of you. So I went to a market in a very beautiful French town, and it was a lovely kind of you know once every Friday market. A little bit touristy now, but still mainly for the locals. And there was just this whole kind of aisle of market stalls that were all foie gras and I was just kind of you know walking along and then I saw this photo album on one of the stalls I was like huh, wonder what's in that opened it up 
And it was a proud catalogue of the entire process of making foie gras, including, you know, holding these poor geese up by the necks and shoving the feeding tubes down them. It's horrible. And I was just, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, not that easily shocked. But I was clearly, my jaw was just hitting the deck as I was reading this. And did, the they, did they bung a gavage down it and pump it full of, <laughs> <laughs> they, full of They would have done if they could. Yeah. But, the, but the woman behind the, the, the stool was like, oh, you want to try some? And I was like, no, this is, no, uh, and walked away. Where do the Chinese come in? The Chinese come in because former Chancellor of the Exchequer, George Osborne, who ain't around anymore, as we have discussed, had a strategy. And the strategy was austerity. Cut the deficit. Don't increase public spending. Don't do any of that stuff. He also wanted to build a galumphing great nuclear power station. And very few private companies were up for that. Loads of private companies were originally involved and they all sort of dropped out. They said, no, not interested. The main one that was left is EDF in France, but they could only kind of afford half of it or perhaps quite sensibly said, we're not bunging that all on our books. Thanks. So what we had to do, what Mr. Osborne did, was go to the Chinese and say, go on, pay for that then. Because the private company wouldn't do it. You needed someone with an awful great wadge of cash um, and absolutely no sinister intent whatsoever Mm -hmm. to come and build our very expensive nuclear power station. And it was part of, uh, back in episode 27, we talked about this when Mr Xi Jinping was over, it was part of this great big effort to get China to build our economy, basically. And they pledged 105 billion quid for UK infrastructure by the year 2025. That's, That's a big number. Not the biggest number in the world, as we've established in episode um, 50-something. But it's a big number. It's a lot of billion quid, isn't it? Yes. Um, And unbeknownst to most people, because she did a very good job of keeping her head down, Theresa May never liked this idea. She never liked the idea of kowtowing to the Chinese for investment, but she particularly didn't like the idea of uh, getting them to build, let's face it, a massive bomb. Um, (laughs) which supplies 7% of the country with electricity. And she wasn't mad keen on that. And neither was her advisor, a guy called Nick Timothy, who's very influential. And basically the second she got... get a surname, isn't it? (laughs) Lumbered with two forenames. That's right. The uh, uh, Albion Rovers. Maybe he could could take one of those. I mean, this was was kind of headline news, wasn't it? It was, as you say, all signed and sealed, everything ready to go. And the government said... Nope, uh, we're gonna we're we're new in this job, you know, new team. So we're going to probably consider it. Um, and the people in EDF went, Whoa, what? And presumably the Chinese aren't too happy either, are they? The are they? Chinese have gone yeah. absolutely spare, but they've gone spare in that very scary way that a Bond villain goes spare. Brilliant. Right? Oh, so that's ideal. They haven't they haven't started like do, you know when, when I go spare and I start crying and dropping stuff and like smacking my head <laughs> against the wall and saying it's not nice, right? That sort of thing. Um, they're not doing that. They're going. Oh, this is very disappointing. Oh no! Is, oh, the yeah. quiet angry. Oh, quiet angry. This is. Oh, I'm. I'm sure you didn't mean to offend us, but we are not taking this particularly well. Oh, God. I know. So right? menacing. I know. Uh, we don't want to go around upsetting them Chinese, oh. So Hinckley is not dead. I mean, we've been talking as if this is the end of the line. It isn't. So they've promised the government that they will come back. I think they said September. I'll come back in September and uh, have a look at it then. Um, but if I if I was a betting man, which I am, um, yeah, I, I, if I, you I, were, I sold him off, you coral sports app, <laughs> whatever it is. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think the odds on this thing actually happening 
are very likely. And as someone pointed out to me, possibly this might now have got to the point where, with the exception of the Chinese, everyone else involved will be quite happy for this thing to go quietly away. The mm. Chinese, on the other hand, will go and sit down very carefully in a corner, think about everything that's happened, very calmly stroke a billion white cats, and then kill us all. Great. Great. Sustainable of the week. So, babble of the week. This is the section we usually do at the beginning, not the end. Uh, so it's all, it all feels very strange. But it is the section in which we look at some of the egregious eco-guff that has been spouted. Um, and there has been some good spouting. In fact, we're going to do two babbles just because we've been away yes. and there's been a lot. The first, do you remember, Dave, the Labour Party? Red, red colours. Buses. Buses. Red like the bus. Bus is what the poor people get. Poor people used to have a political party. Labour. Yes, got yeah, that. Yeah, that's one. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, anyway, uh, they just are in a sort of constant civil war, it seems. Um, and one of the things that's going on is that there is a new person that no one has ever heard of trying to be their leader, trying to take over from the person that until a year ago no one had ever heard of apart from hippies like me and you. Anyway, that new person is a chap called Owen Smith. And because he wants to be leader of the party, he's got a website. Do you know mm. what that website address is? But tell me. Owen2016.com. Very right. clever. And, yeah. and because he wants to be leader of the party, he has to have views on lots of different policy areas, including... Stuff he doesn't remotely care about. <laughs> including stuff he doesn't care about. Exactly. And that is a category that the environment very much falls under. And you can tell that because this is what owen2016.com forward slash environment sounds like. Lorum ipsum dolor sit amet. Yo, so that is uh, Arabella, who is Ol's six-year-old niece, and it transpires I was in a place called Arabella in Scotland last week, which is an actual place in Scotland that actual Arabella is named after. I didn't know that. Yeah, crazy. What a coincidence. I assumed you'd gone there purely to take a picture and go, look at me, uh, but apparently you were there. Uh, through, through choice an accident. on accident but I did once in Spain cycle a 150 kilometre round trip merely to pose next to a sign saying poo yeah <laughs> Excellent. I applaud that. That's precisely the right behaviour. What Arabella is doing, and, in, and is still doing, underneath underneath this, thanks Arabella, sorry about this, um, is reading out something that's... What is it? Well, it's foreign, isn't it? And, I, you know, in this kind of post-Brexit world, I didn't think foreign stuff was allowed. But this is old foreign. This isn't newfangled foreign. This is Latin. Oh, um, that, and thing was, you, that thing you learned at school. I didn't learn it at school. Liar. Actually. It's not liar. a lie. Was it, was it an option at your school to do Latin? Daddy taught me. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Infinitatis, soldatus, mathematicus, impossible artis. <laughs> Don't believe us. Ask Pythagoras. Anyway, point is, um, this is, for anyone who's really, really clever, they will know what this is. Um, it's something you quite often see written down uh, on websites to basically demonstrate what a bunch of text is going to look like on a web page. 
And it's just a whole load of words. It's a bit like the cat jumped over the brown fox lazy dog thing. It's there as a placeholder until you put your real text there, which is kind of instructive as to how important Owen Smith thinks the environment is when he launched his website with, yeah, we'll bung some stuff here at some point in the future, but until now, here's some Latin. I went and checked the other day just to see if it's still there. And actually, when I checked, when you went to owen2016.com slash environment, that page doesn't even go anywhere anymore. So they oh, flat, really? out, flat out got rid of it. Rather than actually going, oh, crikey, Moses, um, let's just put something in here. Trees nice, bees nice. Uh, wouldn't it be splendid to all have some grass to sit on? Instead of doing that, they just said, no, nah, get rid of it, mate. Take it down. Take it down. Gavin, take it down. Take it down. <laughs> They're mocking us on social media, Gavin. <laughs> What else is in Babel Corner this week, Dave? The Olympics! Yay! Ah, oh, oh, I love sport, 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 sport. I love sport. the Olympics, Ol. I love it. I love, I love it. the I love Olympics. It. I love it. I love it more than anything else. I love it more than football. I love it more than uh, World Cups and Euros and any of that. I love the Olympics. It is brilliant. So why is it in Babel Corner? Because it's babbling. Being some babble. Now is we're this like is this like UEFA? European Championship babble is it that sort of babble no go back and listen to episode 52 for some splendid sport related eco guff about the Euro 2016 Championship but that wasn't quite the same thing that was about a major sporting tournament saying how green it was because uh, you know um, people should be green it was very vague yeah Um, but this one so we're at a disadvantage oh we are recording this early on Friday evening um, which is before the thing has actually started I think, yeah, I think the opening ceremony is happening now. Right. I, th- I think. So. so that's a slight problem because I heard, I, I understand that, and maybe this won't be true, um, that there's a climate change environmenty type theme to all of the shenanigans that's going on in the opening ceremony. Just like Danny Boyle in London 2012, four years ago, had, you know, the Industrial Revolution and the story of Britain, and it was all kind of tongue in cheek. The Brazilian one is all about the environment and climate change, and aren't we green and splendid? This is carbon dioxide, mostly from the oil and coal we are using. Well, that's good. Yeah. Problem is that this Olympics has been really quite naughty about the environment. Naughty Olympics. Ooh, I like the sound of the naughty Olympics. So what's happened with the Olympics is um, that there's been some controversy. I mean, you know, building an Olympics, building a massive sporting event, doing anything is environmentally destructive, right? It always happens. You quite rightly pointed out to me that in Beijing 2008, they did loads of horrible stuff, bulldozing loads of forests and putting stadiums in them and all that. Well, it's bulldozing people's homes more. Home. more well, well, I think they did some forests yeah. as well. But. Yeah, and, and that's happened in Brazil, and I'm sure it happened in London as well. I mean, we, you know, they did, you, all of that area is now a lovely park when before it was toxic wasteland, so I suppose arguably they did something good but in 2016 in brazil they they've done something inexplicable and it generally took me genuinely took me a while to, to figure this out they built a golf course and i had no idea until i saw they built a golf course that golf is now an olympic sport which is insane because it's not even a sport never mind an olympic sport <laughs> what is it a pub game well it's just hitting a little ball with a stick it's not a sport no one gets sweaty it's a. It's, oh, don't get me wrong. I've seen some sweaty golfers. Well, I've seen some seen sweaty John... office workers. It doesn't make it a sport, does it? 
it's a new thing that golf is in the Olympics this year. There's actually been quite a bit of controversy about it because for years and years and years, some of the kind of elder statesmen of golf have been trying to get it as, into the Olympics. And I agree with you, it shouldn't be the, in, in the Olympics, but it is. And then all of the world's top golfers have gone, oh, Dunning, I'll bother. Do you mind? So there's been controversy about it because this um, golf course has been put onto an environmentally sensitive area. Brilliant. Um, a registered heritage site of UNESCO, one of the most threatened biomes biomes in the world. Um, and they bunged a golf course on it. And um, people have been upset about it. And what the Rio Olympic Committee have said is... This. The environmental game in the region is visible. Besides the flora, which increased extensively, we can observe the different species of animals that have returned to the area. So, all Hello. Imagine you had an environmentally sensitive area. Oh, I do, yeah. <laughs> Imagine it was, like, sensitive precisely because... Um, it was a bit sort of marginal and weird and hardly anything, hardly anything. What? All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not being smutty. You're being smutty. I'm not. I'm talking about the environmentally sensitive area in Brazil, not the one you're thinking of. The Brazilian environmentally sensitive <laughs> marginal area. Okay. Imagine no, you no, had... Dave's not being smutty, is he? No I'm smut not. here. I'm not. Imagine you had an environmentally sensitive marginal area, which was dry, and upon which... Dave! I'm not doing this on purpose! Upon which lived some very weird things. Things like little tiny orchids that are incredibly rare and sensitive and only grow in this very unique habitat, or stuff like that, right? You would look at it and you would go, well, nothing lives there. There's only a few animals and a few flowers and stuff like that. And then if you cover that with grass and around the grass you put trees and hedges and all that sort of stuff you would look at it and go brilliant there's some birds live on that now and look there's some mices and some capybaras and whatever else the hell they have in brazil right and so you would conclude well brilliant look at all those animals that have turned up look Look at at look at the wildlife and the nature yeah meanwhile what you've done is wiped out (laughs) something that really needed you to leave it the hell alone otherwise it would be dead that's why I get so frustrated that there aren't that ecologists are not kind of recognised important people in any you know any big organisation should have a senior ecologist so mm. that they can teach people this sort of stuff and go yes I know it looks like there's not much there that's big and bouncy and kangaroo like but actually there's some really really freaking important stuff you know in the soil or little delicate plants like you say which are providing a unique function all of this stuff just you, you almost don't blame them because if your job is to build golf courses or if your job is to make the Olympics, you're just not going to know this stuff. But the point is they're never required to employ anyone who does. <laughs> also, Ol, golf is so stupid. I like I mean, golf. It, 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 no, it is stupid. It is a massive... Do you know how much of this country, our country, this one here, what we live in, is covered in golf? <laughs> I don't, but I shudder to think. It must oh, be I don't, okay. oh. I don't know either. I hope hang you on, would. Hang on. Put, put the <laughs> We Don't Know music on and we'll Google it. Right, found it. Sort of. Yep. Yep, uh, so I don't know exactly how much of the UK is golf, but I can tell you how much of some uh, counties is golf. Go on. Uh, so in third place... 
uh, is Surrey. Uh, Surrey, you know Surrey? That's where oh, yeah. all the Man United fans live. Uh, that is 2.65% golf. Blimey, that's genuinely more than I thought. Yeah. Uh, second place, silver medal, I suppose, to be topical, uh, is the West Midlands, which is 2.74% golf. And top of the league is Merseyside, which is 2.82% golf. Blimey, Quite a lot so, of golf, isn't it? It's an awful lot of golf. And what a waste of time it is. Aside from standing on a manicured lawn and smacking a ball as hard as you can and then walking after it very slowly and <laughs> smacking it again, the whole thing culminating in the least interesting shot. So you basically like it gets easier as it goes on. Apart from that, it is so horrible for the environment you basically just cover this you put this native this sort of invasive grasses that aren't supposed to be there you cover it in pesticides and all of this stuff fertilizers and herbicides and you mow it all the time and you shoot anything that craps on it all of that (laughs) stuff and it's about as far away from wild as you could possibly get and imagine imagine how you could you could take all of the kittens and all of the stuff we're horrible to and all of the animals currently in factory farms the stuff into people's faces for no reason and you could bung them on a golf course i definitely definitely think there shouldn't be any more golf courses built there are millions it's ridiculous and i definitely think that lots should be turned into nice kitten farms not kitten farms not kitten you, know, farms. <laughs> you know what i mean places for kittens to roam free <laughs> So that is just about it for this week's Sustainable. That was number 56. Thank you very much for listening and thank you very much, Dave, for babbling. Thank you very much, all for babbling and all. Um, thank you, as always, to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music that starts and ends and intertwinkles this here podcast and to Arabella for so nobly reading out obscure Latin. Very good. Um, if you would like to... Uh, to, to track us down uh-huh. uh, we, we can field any oh. inquiries if you uh, you send us a little tweet at the babble wagon uh, you drop us an email at hello at sustainababble.fish or if you just find us on Facebook is there any way that people can ring us oh very nice uh, no Okay, yeah, probably. You know what? That is just as well. Um, <laughs> right, we will be back next week. In the meantime, Ol, I hope you have a splendid week. Enjoy all of the pointless spits in the Olympics before the real sport comes along in the second week. Yeah, I can't wait for the running. All right, Dave, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you. Welcome to Sustainable 55, all the fives. Uh, Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do that again.